the Way City Church, located in Woodbridge, Virginia, is led by Pastor Marlon Yearwood and exists to reach the lost and disciple the believer. So, this week we're going to be in John chapter 15. This week and next week. John chapter 15. We're going to go through it, okay? Uh, So this week we'll do verses 1 through 8, and then next week we'll finish in John chapter 15, God willing. So, summary of the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John begins with a beautiful, poetic anthem or or lay that tells the the story of Jesus' origin, his mission, and his function. John proclaims that Jesus is the incarnated Word of God, bringing grace and truth, replacing the law that was given by Moses and making God known in the world. That's John chapter 1 and verse 17. The predominant theme in the book of John is the revelation of God to men through his living illustration, which is Jesus Christ, the Word made flesh. He is God revealed to men, the very expression of God is Jesus Christ, so that we might see him and believe, the Bible says. The Gospel of John is the last of the four Gospels to be written, probably somewhere between 85 AD to 90 AD, and it stands out from the rest of the Gospels uh, in the fact that it gives us um, information and revelation that the other Gospels do not present to us. The the purpose of the writings of the book of John is found to us in, in John 20 and verse 31, where it says, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. Amen. As we look through the book of John, we'll find that there are seven I am statements that Jesus speaks about. Seven I am statements. Jesus said, I am the bread of life in John 6 and verse 35. He says, I am the light of the world in John 8 and verse 12. He says, I am the door, John chapter 10 and verse 9. He says, I am the good shepherd, John 10 and verse 11. I am the resurrection and the life, John 11, 25 and 26. And then I am the way, the truth and the life, John chapter 14 and verse 6. And then we land in John chapter 15 and we get to the last of the I am statements. I am the true vine. John chapter 15 and verse 1. I am the true vine. This is is also the, the only I am statement that runs into an additional assertion. And my father is the vine dresser or the gardener. And my father is the gardener. I am the true vine, Jesus says to us. So as we're going through John 15, John chapter 13 through 17, just so you understand, we find out in John 13 through 17, in these five chapters, what Jesus did and taught the final night of his crucifixion also known as the Upper Room Discourse. In John chapter 13, Jesus washes the feet of the disciples. He identifies Judas as his betrayer. He has his last supper with his disciples. He predicts Peter's denial. And then finally, 
he tells his disciples that he's going away. And then John chapter 14 opens and he says, let not your heart be troubled that I'm going away. He says, don't be, don't be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. I'm going to prepare a place for you. Then he speaks about in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He says, if you've known me, you've known the Father. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And he says, I will leave you the Spirit, the Helper, that will be with you forever. And then finally in John 14, he says, I will leave you my peace. So, remember, this is the final night before the crucifixion. And Jesus has gathered his disciples together in one room to tell them and to teach them probably the most important things that he wants them to know before he leaves. I mean, think about it. What would you tell your loved ones if you had one more night with them? So these are the things that Jesus is teaching to his loved ones the night before the crucifixion. So we have five chapters 13 through 17, of the things that Jesus wanted his disciples to be assured of. And I hope it feels like I'm overstressing this point because it is imperative to Jesus that his disciples understand the things that he is about to teach them. And it is important that you understand this morning the things that I am about to teach you through his word. Amen? So by the time we get to John chapter 15 now, the the imagery that Jesus is sharing with his disciples is about the vine. And it's, and it's very possible that Jesus, as he's on his way to the Garden of Gethsemane, that he would have passed by a vineyard. Very, very possible. And they probably left through the, the eastern gate in Jerusalem, and then they went down through the Kidron Valley, and then up to a place called the, the Mount of Olives. And then finally, as they were traveling to the Garden of Gethsemane, they would have probably seen a vineyard. And then Jesus, he takes advantage of that moment, and he says, I am the true vine. You guys see that, that vineyard? I am. I am the true vine. And now he begins his teaching moment in John chapter 15. And it would have been very easy for his disciples to understand this kind of terminology in that day. And the disciples, they just listen to him. They don't interrupt as they many times do. But this night, Jesus is speaking from chapter 13 through 17, he's speaking. And there's very little interruption and they're just listening. They know something's about to take place and they're just quiet and they're still and they're just listening. They ask no questions. They just listen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. As we read John 15, 1 through 8 this morning. Father, I pray that we would truly know and be reminded that the words that are spoken are not the words of men, but they are the very words of God. 
They are the words that you spoke to your disciples before you left. And you wanted them to understand this and to get this. We thank you that this morning we have the Spirit, the Holy Spirit with us. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are our teacher. I pray that you would help us to comprehend the Scriptures, the things that you taught 2,000 years ago and are still being taught today. We thank you that your Word is alive, that your Word does not die, that your Word is living, that your Word is powerful, that your Word is sharp. I pray that your Word would penetrate and cut our hearts today. Your Word helps us to discern truth from lies, fiction from non-fiction. And Father, right now we just, we're in awe of your Word. We're in reverence of your Word. And we're just quiet before you expecting to receive from you. We thank you for John 15, 1 through 8, in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's hear, again, what the perfect one had to say. John 15, 1 through 8. John 15, 1 through 8. I actually have the, the ESV today. I usually um, have the New King James, but it's fine because it's uh, almost identical. Um, John 15 is. So, um, I am, verse 1, I am the true vine. I am the true vine. This is Jesus speaking. And he says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Again, imagery. He's speaking to his disciples, probably just seen a vineyard, and he's saying, guys, he said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he, my Father, takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean, verse 3, because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Great perspective here. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, 
he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Amen? Mm. Jesus addresses in this passage the truth between the relationship of vine and branch and the truth between the relationship of abiding and fruitfulness. I'm going to say that again. Jesus addresses in this passage the truth between the relationship of vine and branch and the truth between the relationship of abiding and fruitfulness. Many people call this the, the, the abiding passage, but this passage is just as much about fruit as it is about abiding. And actually, as we look at it, we will discover that the two work together, and it's impossible to actually have one without the other. It's impossible. Interestingly, Jesus speaks about fruit right off the bat. Right off the bat. He, he first speaks about himself and his father, and then the very next thing he speaks about in verse 2 is fruit. And we find the word fruit here three times within one verse. And we don't even get to abiding until verse 4. So he first begins by speaking about fruit. Let me just uh, tell you guys, so, um, so you're going to have to have your Bibles open to be able to follow with me. If not, you're going to get lost because we're going through the verses um, and, and I'm looking at the text here, so um, I don't want you to get lost. So make sure that you have, have, uh, have the Scriptures open so you can follow with me uh, very well. So, to clarify, again, Jesus speaks to his disciples about fruit before he speaks to them about abiding. According to the text that we just read. Yet we know, because he teaches us, that you cannot have fruit without abiding. Abiding equals fruit. So then, why does he talk to his disciples about fruit before he mentions abiding. Why, why does that happen? And I think the reason is this, that Jesus wants his disciples to understand before they leave the earth that fruit bearing is what the ultimate purpose of abiding actually is. That fruit bearing is what the ultimate purpose of abiding actually is. The end goal of abiding is bearing fruit. And I know we just want to abide for abiding's sake. We just want to, I'm just abiding. What does that mean and how do we measure that? <clears throat> How do we measure it? So abiding equals fruit. Let's move on. So I'm dividing our text today into three sections. Verses 1 through 3. The vine, the father, and the branch. Verses 1 through 3. The vine, the father, and the branch. Verses 4 through 7. 
Abiding is fruitfulness. And then verse 8, God glorified through fruit. So again, dividing the text into three parts today. Verses 1 through 3, the vine, the father, and the branch. Verses 4 through 7, abiding is fruitfulness. And then verse 8, God glorified through fruit. And again, follow with me in your Bibles or you will lose me or I will lose you. Verse 1. Good verse 1. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. I am the true vine. The vine in the Old Testament is a, is a common symbol for, for Israel. Very common symbol for, for Israel, the covenant people of God. And interestingly though, whenever historic Israel is referred to as the vine, it's always to do with failure to produce good fruit. It's always to do with their, their failure themselves to produce good fruit. That's always emphasized whenever Israel is referred to as the vine. And what follows that is the threat of God's judgment upon the nation, upon Israel. Now in contrast to such failure and barrenness, Jesus now proclaims, he's saying, I am the true vine. I am the true vine i.e. the one to whom Israel pointed. I'm the one to whom Israel pointed. I am the true vine, the only one who is really able to bear good fruit is me. And this is pointing to him. It's also a, a reminder of the covenant change from Old Testament to New Testament. And my father is the vine dresser. Word called Gorgos in the Hebrew, and it means farmer. My, my father is the, he's the farmer. He's the vine dresser. We see here that, that Jesus and the father, that they're working together. Jesus and his father, they are working together. They are one. And they have the same common goal and purpose for us, that we would bear fruit. We also see a, a kind of a sonly submission that Jesus has toward his father in this text. Jesus trusts the father and he trusts the process of his father. Verse 2, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. We see here that, that Jesus says, every branch in me. Everyone say, in me. In me. Every branch in me. That's important. Jesus says, every branch in me. In me equals believer. In me equals believer. So, can a branch so, so can you be a branch that does not bear fruit yes according to the text we're staying faithful to the text Jesus is, is speaking about those right now in him 
in me. So can you be a branch that doesn't bear fruit? Yes. Can you be in Christ not bearing fruit? Yes. This passage here is, is not saying that if you are not bearing fruit that you are not a Christian. Jesus says, in me that does not bear fruit. Are you following me? Jesus' words, in me that does not bear fruit. So in this verse, we have those in Christ with no fruit, fruit, and more fruit, as you look at the verse. You'll find those in Christ with no fruit, fruit, and more fruit. Reminds me of the parable of the sower in Matthew chapter 13. Sower goes out to sow. And the seed was symbolic of the Word of God. The seed that was sown was symbolic of God's very Word. The Bible says that some seeds fell by the wayside. These are non-believers because the Word never took root because they never understood. And the Bible says the birds of the air came and stole away that, that Word or that seed which is also symbolic of, of Satan snatching away the Word. Some seeds fell on rocky ground where they had little soil and sprang up quickly and then was removed because of the scorching of the sun. These are the ones, the Bible says, that received the word with, with joy. But the Bible says they had no root. Then there were some that fell among thorns where they were choked, the Bible says, about the, the cares and the riches of this world. When tribulation and persecution come, the Bible says they, they fall away. But then finally, you had some that fell on good soil, good ground. And they produced some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. I want you to notice that within the parable of the sower, every seed, that every single seed that received the word grew. Every seed that received the word grew. Actually, three out of four of those actually grew. The only ground that didn't produce was the, the one that was, was not able to, to germinate. The seed was, was stolen and it was unable to penetrate the soil. All the rest of those seeds, we could say that they were believers. All the rest. Because the word took root and because there was growth. But only the last one produced. Some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. And I believe that the, that the last soil, that is mature. Those are the mature believers. The ones that are continually producing are the mature believers. In, in, in soil number two, the reason there was no fruit is because the roots were not deep. That's it. The only reason why there was no fruit is because the roots were not deep. If we had, I believe, if we had deep roots with God, then we could have deeper roots with 
each other. And then we could have deeper roots with our neighborhood and with our community. But it all begins, as a, as a healthy believer, it all begins with having deep roots with God. Deep roots with Him. Being rooted, being grounded in Him. Abiding in Him is where it all begins for us. We have no strength. We have no grace. We have no life outside of Him. But it all begins with deep roots with Him. So in this text, back to John 15, the, the roles have been defined very early on in this passage. We see that the Father, He's the fruit inspector. That, that God is the fruit inspector of this passage. He's a fruit inspector. He is taking away and He is pruning. And in order to bear more fruit, you must be open always to the pruning of the Father. You must always be open. The, the word here takes away, and I hope you're still following in your Bibles. The word here takes away. Look at that word, takes, takes away. The Greek word is actually iro. Iro. Someone say iro. The Greek word here for takes away is a word iro, and one way to translate this word in the Greek, and a, and a common literal, literal Greek translation of iro is this, to raise up, to elevate, to lift up. To raise up, to elevate, to lift up. So then another way to look at this passage would be that I'm not running away from the Father. I'm not running away from, from God in, in fear and dread that the Father will utterly consume me because of my inadequacy. But I'm running to the Father and He will raise me up, He will elevate me, He will lift me up for the purpose of fruit bearing. I believe that you will actually be lifted up by the Father in order for Him to help you bear fruit. That's what I believe. Sometimes that's with correction and discipline. Sometimes it's, it's, it's painful, but it's always, always, always for your good. You know, when the branches fall to the ground, you guys understand that they cannot lift themselves up. When the branches fall to the ground, they are absolutely helpless. They cannot help themselves. And they cannot lift themselves up. But they need help and they need to be supported. Kind of like how the, how the trellis works. So I believe that the Father is committed to you. He's committed to you as a, as a fruit-bearing agent. He's committed to you. The verse here also reveals something else. There is a distinction here between believer and abiding that I'm going to show you here. There is a distinction between believer and abiding. 
there are branches in him, believers, according to Jesus' own words, right, that are not producing fruit. However, in, in verse 5, we know that it's not possible for you to abide in Christ without bearing much fruit. So then that tells me that not all believers abide. Not all believers abide. That, that may be difficult for you to swallow, I don't know. But let me help you. If I was to ask you the question this morning, how many of you are believers? I believe that we have a lot more believers in this room than those who would raise their hands and say, I'm currently abiding. There are some of you right now that you're very much aware as a believer that you are not abiding in Him. So then the, the, the fact that you're not bearing fruit is not evidence that you're not a Christian. The fact that you are not bearing fruit is not evidence that you are not a Christian. It is evidence that you are not abiding. And again, we're in John 15 and we're staying with the text. Verse 3. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. So his word had, had taken root in the lives and the hearts of the disciples. And it is the word that makes you clean and not your works. Jesus is saying, hey listen, you guys are already clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. So he's saying you are clean, not because of your works, but you're clean because of my word. Amen. So he's reminding them of, his, of, of their security in him. He's reminding them of this. And that's what he's been speaking about. That's what he's been speaking about. This is, this is not the... the the works or the, or the good for their salvation, but this is good for their fellowship. He's speaking to them here about their, their fellowship, not their salvation. He's saying, you guys are in me. He's saying, you guys are clean. Right? So he's not speaking about salvation. He's speaking about their fellowship. Verse 4 through 7. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. Verse 7, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Whenever you look at, um, 
out of vine and branches. Whenever you see an image of a vine and branches, there will be a couple of, of obvious observations. Whenever you see a vine, number one, you'll notice this. You'll notice, as you see in the image, that the, that the branch abides in the vine. In other words, it, it looks as though the, the vine and the branch are the same one piece. The branch is connected, not as an addition, but as though it was fused together with it. Number two, another observation. If it's a, a fruit-bearing branch, as you see, you will see that the, the fruit is directly connected to the branch and not the vine. So, you, you may be tempted to think that the branch is responsible for the fruit as it appears to be coming directly from it. You may be tempted to believe that. However, just like our eyes can deceive us, I also believe that our sinful nature can deceive us into thinking that we are fruit bearers in of ourselves. Our sinful nature can deceive us into thinking that we are the fruit bearers, that we are the ones that bear fruit. But we are not. Our sinful nature tells us that if we work hard enough, if we work harder, if we're, if we're smart enough, then we will bear much fruit. But it's not so. You will never see a branch that's able to produce fruit that's, that's disconnected from the vine. You will never see it. You will never see a branch disconnected from the vine that produces fruit. Impossible. Do you guys understand that? Impossible. And even though we, we know that, I think our pride still tells us that we can do it. That there's some, there's some good stuff in us. And, um, and we can do it without God. Our pride tells us that. Our sinful nature is constantly, constantly telling us that activity is more important than abiding. Our sinful nature is constantly telling us that activity is more important than abiding. I can get more done if I just go faster and, and harder. I'll get some more done. And we just don't get it. We think the harder we work, the, the more fruit we bear. And we just don't get it. And maybe to the natural man that makes sense. However, as believers, we live by a different system. Amen? Ecclesiastes 10.10 says, If the axe is dull, and one does not sharpen the edge or wet the blade, then he must use more strength. But wisdom brings success. If the axe is dull, and one does not take the time to sharpen the blade, then he must use more strength. The, the work is more tedious. It's, it's harder. There's, there's more to do. 
But wisdom brings success because wisdom says, let me stop, let me pause, let me stop working, and let me abide, let me sharpen the blade, and then I'll be more effective. The world tells us that we must work before we can rest. But Jesus tells us the opposite. Jesus tells us the very opposite. The world's constantly telling us you have to work before you can rest. Jesus says you must rest and then you can work effectively. Amen. Let me give you a couple of definitions here. To, to abide. Abide is a word called mino. To abide in the Greek, mino, and it means to remain to continue to be present, and it means fellowship. To remain, to continue to be present, and it means fellowship. So, like the parable of the sower, our interaction with the Word determines whether or not we will abide or not, and whether or not we will be fruitful. It's our interaction with the Word that will determine whether or not we will abide and whether or not we will be fruitful. It's our interaction with the Word, just like the parable of the sower. John tells us in John 1 that Jesus is the Word of God made flesh. So we must abide then in Jesus, Jesus being the Word. We must abide in Him. To abide in Jesus is to abide in His Word. To abide in His Word is to abide in Jesus. Amen. And we fellowship with Him. We have fellowship with Him in the Word and in prayer. So, so practically, how are we abiding? Practically speaking, by spending time with Him in the Word and in prayer. Fruit. We see, we see fruit here. This passage has a lot to say about fruit. Fruit can be three things. Jot these down. Fruit can be three things, right? Number one, fruit can be evangelism, right? Leading someone to Christ, sharing your faith. Fruit, number one. Number two, fruit can be Christ's likeness, right? Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, patience, self-control, the fruit of the Spirit, Christ's likeness. So, so fruit can be evangelism, fruit can be Christ's likeness, and number three, fruit can be good deeds, right? Good work. Titus 1.16, they, they profess to know God, but in their works they deny Him, being abominable, disobedient, and disqualified from every good work. Titus 2.14, Christ says, who gave Himself for us, He gave Himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for Himself His own special people, zealous for good works. And then, Colossians 1.10, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So fruit can be three things. 
Number one, evangelism. Number two, Christ-likeness, the fruit of the Spirit. Number three, good deeds. Christ says, abide in me and then you will bear fruit. Not because of you, but because of me. Let me ask you a, a question as we, as we pause today. Why is it easier for us to work than it is for us to abide? I'm asking you personally that question. Why is it easier for you to work than it is for you to abide? You know, for some folks, it's, it's easier for them to work a 12-hour shift than it is for them to spend one hour with the Lord. Why? Why is it easier for you to work than it is for you to abide? It's... it's it's sad to, to me. Jesus says in, in Mark 11 and verse 23, you know, Jesus says to, to speak to the mountain. But even though Jesus tells us to speak to the mountain, there are still folks that would rather climb it. Because when you, when you speak to the mountain, guess who gets the glory and the credit? Jesus does. But when you climb it and you take a selfie at the top of the mountain and you post it and you get some likes and some comments, guess who gets the glory? You do. So Jesus said, speak to the mountain, but there are still folks that would rather climb it. They'd rather, rather work than abide. We'd rather climb the mountain then speak to it. It's, it's absolutely impossible for you to bear good fruit without abiding in Christ. And it is also impossible for you to abide in Christ without bearing fruit. Are you following me? So then a good indicator as to whether or not you are abiding in Christ, again, is whether or not you are bearing good fruit. But also, don't, don't deceive yourselves into thinking that you can mechanically produce fruit by your works. Right? Don't think that you can work your way into abiding by mechanically, genetically modified fruit. If you get what I'm saying. <laughs> If I, if, I, if I work, then that's proof that I'm abiding. No, 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 no. Abide, and then the fruit will be evident. Don't, don't try to produce the fruit by your works, is, is what I'm saying. You, you abide in Him, and then it is organic that you are to produce fruit. The fruit comes from your abiding. That's where the fruit comes from, to be clear. I also, you know, believe that this is where the word uh, burnout comes from, right? Um, many, 
many churches and many Christians, you hear the word all the time, burnout, 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 burnout. Who's ever heard the word burnout? Yeah. That's a, that's a very Christian word. Uh, burnout, 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 burnout. You know, so, so I, um, I believe that if you're, not, if you're not abiding, I mean, basically, you know, and you're working um, out of a place of not abiding, um, I believe that you, that you will burn out. But I, I also believe that it is impossible for you to burn out if you're abiding. I strongly believe that. When you're working and not abiding, you will burn out because you're doing it in your own strength. But if you're, if you're working and producing fruit from, or, from an organic place of abiding, you cannot and you will not burn out. Amen. Your work, again, doesn't cause you to abide. Only your abiding causes you to abide. Amen. Amen. Matthew 17 and, and, uh, and Mark 9, the, the disciples, and we're not turning there, but, uh, but Matthew 17 and Mark 9, the disciples, they, they could not cast out um, a, a demon. Uh, again, not abiding equals no fruit. And then Jesus comes along and he shows them what abiding looks like. And he casts out the demon. So again, we cannot work in the flesh as the disciples were trying to do. We cannot work in the flesh. Anything that we're doing, um, we cannot do it in the flesh. All of the work that we do for him must be done in the spirit. And without abiding, we will be ineffective as, as the disciples were. Jesus is our perfect example of abiding. He's our perfect example of abiding. And remember, fruit always follows abiding. And Jesus was the most fruitful man that ever lived on the face of the earth. And he was also the closest man to ever walk with God and abide in him. He abided in his father, with his father. The Bible says that he would often wake up before sunrise and he would go away to, to pray. And he would, spend, he would spend hours in prayer. He would wake up before sunrise and his disciples would, would come and find him during the day, after the day had already started and Jesus was still there in prayer. So he would spend hours in prayer and Jesus spent hours with God and he spent minutes or moments with men. And I believe that we do the opposite. We spend moments, we spend just, just minutes with God and then we spend hours trying to counsel people, trying to figure out, man, what do I do here? Um, what do they need? And we spend hours with, with people trying to counsel and figure out. And um, that's, that's how we 
That's how we do it. Now, don't misunderstand me. Jesus collectively spent a lot of time with people. A lot of time with people. But Jesus would ultimately start his day with the Father. And then when he came to that blind man, it was, open your eyes. Right? He, would, he, would, he would just speak and the miracles took place. So he would spend moments with people and quality time with, with the Father. The, the woman at the well, Jesus meets her and he changes her life in an instant, in a moment of time. And I, you know, I told you guys before, I believe, I was at a conference one time and, um, and, the, and the person speaking on evangelism spoke about it takes three, three to five years to, um, to, to be in relationship with someone before you can even invite them to church. And then he was like, you know, around 7 to 10, they can get the gospel because they'll be open to it and they'll be ready. I was like, man, I don't have that kind of time. And they don't have that kind of time, right? But this is, again, this is man's, this is man's way, right? This is man's, man's way. We create systems and we create structures and we put people into these systems and we think that it's going to be effective. Jesus said, abide in me. Abide in me. And then you will bear much fruit. That's the key. We flow by a different system. We abide in him and then we bear much fruit. And I believe that the Lord is calling us to abide as a church. I believe the Lord is calling us as a church, TWCC, to abide in Him, to rest in Him, to abide. I believe that. And the result will be, I believe, as you, as you abide, that you will have the spiritual awareness to hear the Spirit of God. And to minister to people according to their exact needs. If we take time to, to sharpen the blade. Amen? So, so I pray that for us as a church that we, would, that we would truly abide, that we would truly grow deep roots with God. Uh, and one of the fruits that I really want to see in our church is, is evangelism. Right? That's, that's one of the fruits that I want to see. But again, that comes from abiding. The, the love for the lost, I can't teach it to you. Right? I can speak about the need for it, but I can't, I can't teach you to love. But if you abide in Him, He will grant you that love for the lost. And then you will bear fruit in that area. But, but as, a, as a new church plant, right, that's why we exist. So, so this is good. This is beautiful, us gathering and you hearing the word. But what's the purpose of you hearing the word? What is the purpose of this? I really don't want to just do this every Sunday just for the sake of, of the believer. If the believer is not on mission. 
right? So, so the purpose of us hearing God's word and receiving it, we receive it, we, we, we take it in, and then we take it outside. We deliver it and we present it to other, to other folks. So every single one of you, my prayer is that you would be evangelistic. But again, my prayer first is that you abide. Because you cannot be evangelistic if you are not abiding. Amen? Amen. By this, my Father is glorified, verse 8. Let's skip to verse 8. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Prove to be my disciples. I believe that God receives more glory through fruit than He does through words. God receives more glory from us through fruit than He does through words. And we are to do both. We are to to glorify Him, to glorify God with our words but we're also to glorify Him with our fruit. And for many, glorifying God is, is limited only to a prayer or a song or a Sunday. That's the extent of their glorifying of God is a prayer, is a song, singing a song, or is a Sunday? This, right here. And glorifying Him is so much more than this. The mark of a disciple is is fruit. Amen? The mark of a disciple is fruit. And in verse 8, you are not disciples by word, you are disciples by proof. You're not disciples by the words that you say, but you're disciples by proof. You're not disciples by confession, but you're disciples by fruit. Jesus says, if you are abiding in me, then you will bear much fruit. One plus one equals what? Two. One represents Christ. Plus one represents you equals two, which represents fruit. One plus one is two. Christ plus you equals fruit. You abiding in Him. You and Him together and Him abiding in you equals fruit. Amen? Let's stand up, please. In conclusion, the work that we do for God never equals abiding. The work that we do never equals abiding. Only abiding equals abiding. Abiding in Him. 
And the only way, again, to bear much fruit, as I've stressed today, is to abide. Mary abided, Martha did not. And Jesus acknowledged it and addressed it. Bow your heads, please. We as Christians, we understand that we're not saved by works. We're not saved by our works. All Christians know that and all Christians believe that. We're not saved by works. And if you do believe that, then you are not a Christian. However, many Christians believe that our salvation is sustained by works. But it's also not. Our salvation is not sustained by works either. If you're not saved by works, you cannot be sustained by it. The same blood that saved you is the same blood that will sustain you. Praise God for the blood of Jesus. And I want to remind you in context that your fruit doesn't save. So you're not trying to produce fruit for the purpose of salvation. But you are to abide for your fellowship with Him and your abiding will cause you to bear much fruit. Father, we thank You that You are the true vine. You are the true vine. Lord, we we thank You that we can drink from You and be sustained by You. The wine that comes from the grapevine, which is symbolic of Your blood, is a reminder that we are to continually drink from you the well which never runs dry. Communion is a reminder of our continual need to abide in you. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Oh, Father, we thank you for your blood that was shed for us. Today, as we remember you and as we partake of communion, again, may we be reminded that you are the true vine. You are the true vine. You're the vine that we drink from this morning. We drink from your vine. We drink from you. We thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you for your blood that was shed. And as you told those who walked with you that if we do not eat your flesh and drink your blood, then we have no part with you. Father, we remember your sacrifice this morning. In Jesus' name. 
We'd love to hear from you. Visit us at thewaycitychurch.org.